Hello, everybody. This is Rick Manning, President of Americans for Limited Government. And, uh, you know, folks, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but our nation is in trouble. And we've got further further evidence of that um, as the inflation numbers came out today. And to no one's surprise, inflation continues to rampage through our economy. Um, the inflation rate is at 8.2% nationally. It's a, that's year over year. Uh, and what that means very simply is that uh, things you bought, you bought um, overall are about 8% more expensive today than they were a year ago. Um, now, the, the problem with that is that your wages didn't go up by 8%. And real wages, which is a combination of um, you know, real average weekly wages, wages, which is a combination of the amount of the average raise that, some, that people received over the course of the last year, plus how many hours they typically work, so how much money are they making on a per hour basis, um, the average person is making about 3.5% uh, less money um, now in terms of real spending power um, than they were a year ago. So every, you know, Americans on average have taken a 3.5% Biden haircut on their income, on their purchasing power of their dollars. Because even if you got 5% increase, if you're in your wages, if inflation is 8.2%, uh, you end up with 3.2. The fact is the, you end up with looking, adding in a bunch of things that Bureau of Labor Statistics does. And they came up with 3.5% being the uh, real average weekly wage uh, decline over the year, over the last year. Um, bad news. Bad news for a president who wants to claim we're not in a recession. Uh, Americans are feeling uh, the costs, even with the price of the pump. Um, for for this particular um, report, it was the they collect the data. The way these things work is they collect the data and then they analyze the data. It takes some time, and so this is the report for September. But it the data was collected before the recent bump, about twenty twenty five cent bump. Uh, on average, on a gallon of gas. And so it doesn't reflect the recent price increases on a gallon of gas that we're all feeling, we're all paying, but it's not included in this inflation number. So, you know, it's bad news ahead. And the fact of the matter is the Democrats, are, you know, politically, um, let's just face let's just face it, the Democrats are are really stuck here because They've overseen this. They're the ones who engaged in a fiscal policy which flooded the economy with money at a time when the economy didn't need to be flooded with money and set the, and set the inflationary fire um, going. And the fact of the matter is um, we have a massive problem now because inflation has now worked itself into every, the everyday products that exist because, believe it or not, uh, inflation minus uh, things like energy and food this past year to year is up about a little over 6%. And so that means that every aspect of our economy has seen prices going up. And so there's no way to escape it. Um, I want to point out, I want to go to something here and show you uh, the, uh, let's see here, how do I do this? I uh, got it. Okay. Um, this is an article on Breitbart um, that is, uh, was up today, and they and they went through and they broke out. And this the Bureau of Labor Statistics does this. This is Breitbart doing any great research. This is just them copying pasting off the Bureau of Labor Statistics 
um, data on both the producer price index and the consumer price index, which have come out the last two days. But things like you want to talk about food prices and how that affects people who are stro- who have you know are struggling in terms of uh, making making ends meet. Things like cheese is up thirteen point four percent over year to year. Ice cream. Now, this is this personal. This is getting personal. They're talking about ice cream. Ice cream is thirteen point six percent more expensive today than it was a year ago. Um, fruits and veggies, ten point four percent. Potatoes um, up one point eight percent August to September, but seventeen point five percent compared with a year ago. And so, I, I heard on the radio a couple of days ago somebody talking about this, and they're kind of saying, I don't understand why a potato or a tomato, their price should go up on a, you know, is, did it cost more to manufacture a potato? And, you know, they were kind of joking around about it, but the fact of the matter is it did cost more to manufacture a potato. And let me tell you how that works. A farmer back in February, March, had to decide if they were gonna plant fields on, of potatoes. How many fields were they gonna plant? How, many, how much yield were they hoping to get? Which fields could they not afford to plant because the cost of, of of actually tilling the ground and using the tractors with the de- with a high cost of diesel was too high to justify the amount of profit they were going to make from the potatoes that that ground was going to produce. So some fields went fallow and were not produced were not planted to produce potatoes. Um, I was told this by a by a potato farmer in uh, in in Idaho uh, six months ago, and so some fields weren't planted. So fewer potatoes were grown. And the cost of growing those potatoes, because diesel fuel was dramatically higher in cost, the cost of producing those potatoes was was much higher because the cost of diesel fuel was so high, the cost of transporting those potatoes from Idaho to your to your market was much higher. The cost of labor for the people who handled the potatoes was much higher because of the co- because of all the, those costs and that being figured into their salaries. The truckers had to charge more money for trucking because of all those costs. So what we see is a snowball effect. You have fewer potatoes produced, which means there's a supply on the supply side. There's less potatoes. You have the potatoes that are produced cost more money to produce those potatoes. And same thing with eggs. Same thing with obviously eggs or chickens, but the chicken feed and the like are costly. Um, I didn't even go into the cost of fertilizer, which has gone up because of environmental regulations by the Biden administration. Uh, the, The cost of water is up in most places. So you have the cost of pesticides are up and many pesticides can't be used now. So more expensive pesticides have to be used. And the pesticides that the Biden administration want farmers to use are less efficient, cutting crop yields. So once again, fewer potatoes. So that's how the in a holistic approach, when you look at the economy as a whole, it's you had a higher and higher cost at the at the actual grower for the grower. You had a high because of higher cost, they didn't grow as many potatoes. You had a higher cost to transport them. And so you had a higher cost for you at the grocery store. And at McDonald's, where you buy the where you buy you know Happy Meal or something to get uh, your potato your fries, so that's kind of how the supply chain works and how it affects a- things like eggs, tomatoes, potatoes. Um, lettuce was up fifteen point seven percent. Same deal. Sugar and sweets up fourteen point point four percent compared to a year ago. Um, you know, we talked about ham. Ham was up two point one percent from August to September. Um, 
and it was about at the average uh, inflation rate, 8.1% compared with a year ago. Um, cakes, you know, for all of us who like to eat cake and, you know, Marie Antoinette, you know, let them eat cake and uh, all that. But for those for those Democrats who want us to eat cake, just understand it's 16% more expensive now than it was before. So those are some of the things that, you know, when you deal with foodstuffs, that's that's where your costs get built in. And when Joe Biden about six, seven months ago, tried to encourage farmers to plant more of their fields, he, he was doing so while putting pro, putting policies into place that directly discouraged them from doing so. He didn't open up land, which was which has been uh, storehoused by the federal government that could be that is fallow that could have been produced, could have been uh, tilled and, and farmed. He didn't open up that land for farming. He didn't give farmers an incentive to use it. So it wasn't, so they've taken land off the market for actual for farming and they, did, they didn't open it up. Consequently, that's land that didn't produce food. So you wanna know how it all works. Ultimately, government has a giant role in this because government is who makes the costs for a farmer go up and in some ways determines what land can and cannot be tilled and, and farmed. And in doing so, ultimately, you pay the price because, folks, the potatoes don't come from the grocery store. Potatoes come from the ground. And somebody has to plant them and somebody has to harvest them. And somebody has to transport them. And ultimately, that's why we have a higher cost of food. Um, I want to look at a couple of the... Uh, a couple of the uh, things here. I'm going to look at uh, here, Florida Girl. For the last 10 plus, food has been the best investment. I've kept receipts from over a year so I can compare the GAT price differential. Yeah, it's. it's I, I think you can look at that and you can say, you know, that's a, uh, you know, in everybody's personal lives. So one of the things that a lot of people do, and it, it gets kind of offset on this because the, the inflation rate is based on a fixed market basket of food that you buy. Um, and so what do you do? Suddenly you, you find yourself substituting um, cheaper substitutes for um, different for different foodstuffs. And as a result, you know, maybe you're, uh, you would have um, uh, what used to be steak. Everybody used to have steak, red meat all the time. So I'll use this example, but it's a bad one in today's world. Um, let's say you'd have a roast uh, pot roast once a week, which used to happen all the time, doesn't happen anymore. Um, and instead you have a casserole, a hamburger casserole. Um, that's and maybe you used to use uh, you know 10% fat in your hamburger casserole, you're now using uh 80%, uh 20% fat in your hamburger because it's less expensive. And so there's a there's lots of different choices people make. I'm not telling you all anything you don't know, um, but those things really aren't aren't those are the things people naturally do when they're cutting back because of high prices. And every single person been the grocery stores made those choices, uh, going generic, not name brand. So there's ways to fix that for your own income. But bottom line is, it is a we are in a world where um, inflation is real. Inflation is continuing, and inflation is going to get worse. Um, the something else that's occurred is that there's a um, even the even the 
left-wing apologists, economists are saying, listen, this isn't Putin's, this isn't Putin inflation. This is a supply chain inflation. This is a, this is a fiscal inflation. This is inflation that's, that's buried into the system because of spending decisions made by the Biden administration, which lit the economy on fire and put so much money in the economy that people were too many dollars were competing for too few products. And as a result, the cost of those products went up as they always do. And the problem here is that that is a exactly what the Federal Reserve is attempting to combat. And they're attempting to combat it by raising interest rates. And so hence, and everybody knows this, but housing, buying a new house, that uh, 3% 30-year fixed use bill get is now uh, in between 6 and 7%. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, all sorts of additional, you know, increased costs as a result of uh, the that those interest rate increases. Um, and from a national debt perspective, which people don't talk much about, but I will since we're Americans for Limited Government, um, we have $31 trillion in national debt. What that means, if the interest rate that we have to pay on that national debt national debt goes up by 1%, that's an additional $310 billion that we have to spend that's on interest alone. You don't get a single extra dollar going to Social Security. You don't get an extra, a single do, extra dollar going to defense, not a single extra dollar going to help uh, uh, homeless children be able to be fed. That's $310 billion, which is, by the way, it's about one sixth of the discretionary budget of the budget that, that Congress actually decides how they're going to spend um, $310 billion of just wasted money, just interest payments on the debt. So you don't pay down the debt at all. You still have $31 trillion, but 1% increase on that entire debt is $310 billion. The challenge here is that the uh, while the Treasury bills and the federal debt has not gone up uh, nearly as much as one would have expected because it's a marketplace and the rest of the countries in the world are uh, the dollar is still stronger than every other country in the world. Um, and there's a flight to safety. And when there's a flight to safety in bad economic times, people buy dollars. But we still see a significant increase in the Treasury bills uh, and what those uh, debts cost is costing the U.S. Treasury to sell our debt to the world. And because the, the we were paying a very, very low interest rate, on short-term debt just a year or two years ago, a lot of our debt that we've accumulated is, is packed into short-term debt instruments, um, which means we have a, we have, we're having to roll over a lot of debt. Last year, we rolled over about $7 trillion. Um, from what I've read, we're, this year, we're doing about the same. Um, and that means we're having to refinance debt. And in refinancing that debt, um, some of which came due, and some of which is uh, new debt. But as we refinance the debt or, or buy new debt, um, we're having to buy it at one, you know, one, two percent higher than we were before. And as a result, you know, that's where you get your, your hit on the interest rates. Um, you don't refinance the entire 31 trillion in one fell swoop. So while I use that example 310, it's so you can understand it. 
it's not it's, it's not a hard and fast because a lot of that debt is like in 10 and 30 year instruments. So you're, you're they don't actually come due for a number of years. Uh, but the debt, the short term debt is coming due and the new newly created debt is all due. And so, folks, that's where you're looking at a huge uh, increase in the cost, interest rate costs um, that nobody's accounting for. Another thing that's happening is we just had a note, had a notification that uh, Social Security, the COLA for Social Security increased cost of living adjustment for Social Security um, is going to go up. I think it was 8.6%, but don't hold me to that. You can look it up. Um, but it, they just announced that it was going to be, I think, 8.6% increase. What that means is Social Security, which is a, a massive budget item, we spend it, it's, called, it's in the uh, mandatory spend side of the budget. Um, the amount we spent last year, all things being equal, is going to be 8.6% higher. Well, you know, if that was a trillion dollars, that means it's an extra $80 billion that we're going to spend on, the, on Social Security alone. So and I don't know if it's a trillion dollars. I'm just giving you an example. The, um, but that's your, so there's a lot of those things. And that's, that's why once you get inflation going, it's really hard to stop because suddenly you've got spending, you've got all these different things that people have cost of living adjustments automatically in their contracts. Um, people who are, uh, who are trying to get new, new um, work agreements, people go to their bosses and say, Hey, listen, I can't afford to, uh, I've lost a lot of money here. Um, I, you know, the inflation's killing me. I need to have a, a I need to have a raise. Um, inflation is 8.2%. And I need to have a raise. It's at least 8.2%. Now, by the way, if you get that 8.2% raise, it doesn't, it means you didn't really get a raise. You're making the same amount of money as you did last year, um, at least at the beginning of the year. And so you didn't get a raise at all. What you actually got was uh, you kept even with where you were a year ago. And most people are hoping to make more money in future years than they're making in the exist in the current year. So there's so there's a lot of those things. And once you start seeing those kind of costs, labor costs being built into the system, um, at that point, you have to kill the economy to make it to re reconfigure everything. And that's why the interest rates going up by the Fed. That's what the Federal Reserve is doing is they're attempting to slow down the economy and effectively kill the economy. Um, or at least put it in, uh, make it comatose, so the system could reset. And it's a, and it, it's really good from an economic standpoint. Um, if you're a banker in New York, you know you can sit there and you can calibrate it and do the charts. You know, isn't it's wonderful? But if you actually have to live in the world, it's painful. It's it's terrible. And so those are the kind of things that are happening. Um, and it's a direct result of the Biden the Biden policies. And the Democrat policies, which were keep spending, keep spending, keep spending. Um, you know, the uh, Robert Romano wrote a piece on this today in DailyTorch.com, and I would commend it to everybody out there. Go to DailyTorch.com, and you can read it. You can see the one of our old cartoons from Obama days, but it's a, uh, but it's still, it's still apropos. Keep shoveling the money into the uh, into the engine, and maybe it'll. Maybe we'll uh, it'll fix, and that's actually the opposite. That's the problem. Is you're actually shoveling too much money into the economy. And what Robert brings up here is, and I'm going to talk a little bit about two things: electricity. Electricity is up 15.5 percent 
utility pipe gas service up 33.1%. At a time when we are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, natural gas prices because of, and this is partially because of Putin, because of Putin shutting down natural gas pipelines to Europe, and because of the, a lot of the environmentalists trying to stop building pipelines here domestically, um, we end up with, we see, even though we have, we're awash in natural gas, um, natural gas costs, uh, piped gas service is up 33%, a massive increase. Electricity is up 15.5%. So all you out there buying electric cars saying, gee whiz, I'm going to save on my gas. Well, guess what, folks? Um, you're, the electricity is up 15.5%. And and the supply and demand world that we live in, that 15.5% is going to keep growing because the more pressure we put on the on the grid, on the electrical grid, the higher the prices have to go, even with a uh, an, an electrical grid that's largely a socialized system. Um, the prices have to go higher because the only way that they can meet demand or they can meet the supply in many places is to make the prices high enough that the demand goes down. And so you're going to see continued pr upward pressure as more and more people opt for um, electric vehicles and other electric alternatives uh, against the more cost-efficient fossil fuel um, choices. Um, what's more, um, you know, we have a, let's see here, there's one point I want to make. Oh, yeah. Um, a real uh-oh, a real uh-oh is consumer credit. Consumer credit has skyrocketed in, in the last year. And what that means is the use of revolving credit and how much money you know you have on the credit card balance. And the credit card balance on average has gone up over 15% in America. So the average American has um, has 15% more credit liability today than they did a year ago. And you know, at some point, and that's how the consumer spending has been able to be maintained. In spite of the higher prices, people are offsetting it while using their credit cards. And so what do you have? You have higher credit card debt. And once people are not able to max out those credit cards, um, you know, at that point, they stop spending except for bare essentials. And that's when the, consu the consumer-driven um, inflation really hits, a, hits rock rocky shores, which is good the inflation goes down but it's bad because that's when your economy collapses we've got a consumer spending built built economy and if the consumers aren't spending anymore it becomes problematic and that 50 and when you see a skyrocketing uh skyrocketing inflation or uh, consumer credit uh amount revolving credit um it tells you that people are relying less on their on their income and more on their credit card and the more they rely on plastic the less they are income secure and the more pain is caused when if, if a job is lost or or if there's other other problems or that you get cut to part-time because suddenly the economy there's not enough work to be full-time um the I'm going to shift gears now to the energy side, and I, I'm going to shift gears to the energy side for a very specific reason. Um, Joe Biden today or yesterday, at least somebody in his administration said Saudi Arabians are going to have to pay a price 
they're going to have to pay a price because of OPEC raising the raising or cutting the production of oil in spite of the fact that the Joe Biden had gone on bended knee and asked for production to be increased or at least remain stable uh, through the election. And so the the administration is now saying they're going to that they're going to try to penalize Saudi Arabia. And I'm not going to get into the Middle East stuff here because that's a thing for a different day. But just understand, Saudi Arabia is reacting to the fact that this administration has has chosen Iran in a power struggle for for in the Middle East. They've chosen the Iranian mullahs, and the Iranian mullahs want to dislodge the House of Saud from Saudi Arabia and replace them with a more fundamentalist government than even Saudi Arabia has. And as a result, because Saudi Arabia is a big prize because both Mecca and Medina are there, uh, two holiest shrines in in uh, all of Islam are in Saudi Arabia. And as a result, it's a huge prize. And so by the Biden administration uh, continuing to try to do deal do a deal with Iran and continuing to try to uh, to kiss up to the mullahs in Iran, uh, they are they are effectively have been pushing Saudi Arabia away from us the whole time. I know that the Biden administration knows this, but the the U.S. dollar is really the world reserve currency because the Saudis choose to trade oil in the U.S. dollar. They require U.S. dollars to be used to purchase dollars. It's called petrodollar. And that's one of the things that stabilizes our our currency. Um, It's why we're a flight to safety. It's why we are paying uh, lower interest rates for our treasury bills than we should, given the the current inflation rate. Um, And as a result, it's saving us hundreds of billions of dollars in interest payments on the debt because we're the world, world reserve currency, largely because the Saudis trade oil in dollars. If the Saudis opened up the door to trade uh, trade uh, oil in yuan, in the Chinese yuan, or in the Japanese yen, or in the uh, euro, or in the British pound, sterling pound, um, if they did that and said, you know, we'll tr- we'll open it up to trading in, in all different currencies, at that point, um, demand for dollars goes down. Demand for dollars around the world goes down because they're not going to need dollars to actually purchase oil. Com- countries won't. Businesses in countries won't. And as a result, when the demand for the dollar goes down, the the dollar will be uh, the cost to get people to purchase dollars will go up. And that's the the lever that Saudi Arabia has over the United States. It's not a lever I like that they have. You can't ignore that. So when the Biden administration sits there and blithely says, oh, we're going to punish them, um, they're playing a dangerous game, playing an extremely dangerous game. And uh, and it's particularly ironic because the Biden administration wants Saudi Arabia to keep pumping more and more oil, and they won't allow us to pump oil here. They won't allow pipelines to be built. And we all know the Keystone XL pipeline is a simple example of importing Canadian oil from Alberta, Canada, from Calgary uh, down to America. They they are discouraging uh, uh, petroleum uh, uh processing uh, distillers, um, distillers now. Um, it's a, um, so they're, they're encouraging processing. Um, we had Chevron CEO months ago talk about how uh, they're not going to be um, 
building any new refineries in the U.S. because the people don't want them. So when you see places like California say, oh, we're going to eliminate all gasoline-powered cars in 2035, what Chevron says is, well, does it make any sense to invest ten, you know, trillion, a trillion dollars over 10 years to create a new refinery when there's not going to be a demand for gasoline from that refinery? Well, Chevron says it isn't. What's more, the, the bankers are saying to Chevron, you know what? We're not going if you try to build new refineries, we're going to change your environmental, social and governance score and we're going to penalize you and make you a less valid investment. So the banking in, in this industry, which is embrace the environmentalist agenda, is sitting there and saying to a Chevron or anybody who wants to build a new petroleum refinery um, that they will punish them and make it so their stock is less attractive and is not available to be purchased by certain certain investors because they would be deemed to be environmentally insensitive. So that's why you don't get new, you're not getting new refineries. And if you're not going to get new refineries, you know, we can have all the oil in the world, but if we can't refine it into gas and we have to send it overseas to have it refined, we're nothing more than a third world country who, you know, emptying our own natural resources out to ship those natural resources across the globe to have it refined and turned into something productive elsewhere and then shipped back to us um, and having our own oil shipped overseas, refined and shipped back at a much higher cost is a problem we have with mining um, where we have not opened up. Actually, that's not true. They, they just opened up a new one. Um, we've opened up one uh, new um, Processing plant for um, oh gosh, what are they called? What, crushing the ore and, and taking, creating, uh, basically taking ore and turning it into uh, lead or other other uh, minerals, and being able to extract those minerals. Um, we've only had one of those kind of plants built in the United States, and that was in Las Vegas, Nevada, for a rare earth metal um, plant that Donald Trump pushed through and made happen in about a year. So there's a so we have a problem where we're not actually willing to refine or um, or take our raw materials and turn them into finished goods or at least usable uh, materials, and because we're not willing to do that because the environmentalists have made it so difficult to do that, we effectively ship our ship our mined goods overseas. We ship our uh, our oil overseas to have it refined. That's unless we increase refinery capacity. It's very hard to, to, we can produce as much oil as we want to, but if we can't convert it to gasoline, kind of, it kind of becomes a moot point. So those are some of the things that are happening. Those are the pressures that are on inflation. And we've made decisions in this country that are, that are putting us on a course of dependency, permanent dependency on countries that don't like us very much. And if you don't like inflation and you don't like, and particularly inflation driven by uh, high gas prices up front, high diesel prices up front, as I explained with the potatoes, um, you don't like that inflation. You think that's stupid. And we darn well better start refining oil produced here. We need to produce more oil here and we need to refine the oil here. And so we're meeting the needs of our country and then exporting the excess raw material that we have to refine and used elsewhere in the world. But if we're not willing to turn our turn our raw material into gasoline, our oil out of the ground into gasoline, if we're not willing to do that um, because of environmental concerns or whatever, if we we choose not to take to do that, expand existing refinery capacity, 
um, then we're condemning ourselves to a world where we're dependent upon the Saudi Arabias, the Russias, and uh, and elsewhere that produce the Irans, the Iraqs, um, that produce oil, the Venezuelas, for that matter, um, and an America that's dependent upon the world when we have our own resources right here, that's called committing suicide. And as for me, not really inclined to do that. As a country, we shouldn't. So, and November's gonna tell the tale. You know, is the environmentalist agenda, the Green New Deal agenda gonna be persisted? Is it gonna prevail or not? But those are questions for you guys to answer. I didn't wanna talk about politics today. Just wanna talk a little bit about inflation. And I appreciate you all coming in and just uh, uh, joining us. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you very much. This is Rick Manning, Americans for Limited Government, signing off.